Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Dan and Draft Week is finally here. Can you believe it? But first, on our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Mary Kay Cabot and I talk about Baker Mayfield and what he had to say during his Zoom session with local media on Monday. We talk about Odell Beckham, uh, continuity, and of course, contract extension stuff. Then we talk draft in the second half of the pod. Seven questions about what the Browns could do with that number 26 overall pick. Check out Football Insider while I've got you here. Uh, You get an exclusive newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day. You get a chance to read those stories on cleveland.com slash Browns with that blue insider tag. And you get to be a part of our text service where we're actually doing a texter mock draft. We've been doing it throughout the month. So make sure you get involved with Football Insider. It's cleveland.com slash Browns, that blue banner at the top of the page. All right, here we go. Our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. here we go, our Tuesday Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay, let's get right to it. We heard from Baker Mayfield today. So, hey Mary Kay, what did we learn today about Baker Mayfield and an extension? You know, I think that Baker Mayfield is is bracing himself for the fact that he might not get that extension this offseason. I think he has his mindset towards if that doesn't happen, he's going to go out bet on himself and make the absolute best of it this season and make it so they have to pay him even more money next off season, because that's what will happen uh, if he goes out and has the kind of season uh, that he believes he can have. And the Browns think he can have one of the reasons why I also think that this is not a bad idea. In addition to the fact of all the financial reasons why I believe it Baker Mayfield plays better when his back is against the wall. He plays better when he has something to prove. He plays better when people tell him he can't. Not giving him the extension right away this summer could light a fire under him. He operates better that way. So maybe that's a part of it. Maybe it's not. Uh, But I think indirectly, that could be a little benefit to waiting. Yeah, I I think I agree with you that he seemed resigned to the fact. I mean, we hear guys when they talk about extension say, well, it's out of my control and my agent is handling it. We hear things like that all the time, but it did feel like Baker today was a little bit like, okay, maybe he's going to have to prove it. And, you know, the thing he said was, you know, quote, if we win games, everything will happen how it should. That's my mentality. And I truly do believe that. Mm -hmm. So I agree with you. It, It sort of felt like 
you know, he knows other guys need to get taken care of. And he also understands like, go out and do what you did last year and win a bunch of games and make the playoffs and maybe make the Super Bowl. You're going to be able to cash that in. Yes, absolutely. 100%. And I think the fact that they have not started extension talks yet. And I talked to people on Friday uh, that basically told me that they have not initiated those extension talks yet with Baker Mayfield. I think that's sort of a sign to him where he's, you know, thinking, you know what, this could be, a, be, you have to wait, you have to wait. And one of the reasons why, you know, I've been writing this and I've been saying this, that waiting could be a realistic option for them is because Andrew Barry and Ryan Grigson, who was general manager of the Colts, when they had to make this decision on former number one overall pick, Andrew Luck, they were there at that time and they exercised patience and they decided to wait until after his fourth season. And it worked out very well for them. There was, there was basically no drawback to that. Doing it after the third season has become somewhat of a recent trend and it might shift back again because of what has happened with the last four quarterbacks who have gotten their extensions right away. Those are Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Patrick Mahomes, and Deshaun Watson. And I've written about this. We've talked about it many times on this pod. Of those four, only one is in good standing with this club right now, and that's Patrick Mahomes. Two clubs are carrying an enormous amount of dead cap space this season in the Rams and the Eagles. And I think the Browns are, look, are looking at those things as cautionary tales. So those things coupled with Andrew Luck, all says wait to me having said that and we even asked Andrew about this the other day if Josh Allen is getting his done if Lamar Jackson is getting his done they might get caught up in the euphoria of extension mania and decide to go ahead and do Baker but I think right now they're leaning towards waiting the Browns are very data-driven Andrew Barry Paul DePodesta all those guys very data-driven but like you said if Lamar gets paid if Josh Allen gets paid we're going to talk to Jimmy and D Haslam later today when, when everyone is listening to this. It might not just be up to Andrew Barry and Paul DePodesta. It, you know, the, when you're paying your quarterback and you're giving out a contract like that, the owner has a lot of say in a, a lot of it. And there's, there's always a chance Jimmy could knock on the door and say, no, we're getting Baker paid. That, that is, that is very true. So uh, it might become just a goodwill gesture. I mean, they got, Miles Garrett done after his third season, right? And they also have to worry about Denzel Ward too. Uh, so, you know, do they do one? Do they do both? If you do Denzel, should you also do Baker? I mean, Baker's different because his contract, when it is done, is basically going to take up such a huge, enormous chunk of the salary cap that everything else has to happen around that. And it dictates and determines who you can add and how you can add them and what the rest of your team is going to look like. So it's a big decision. Next topic here on Baker Mayfield. Hey, Mary Kay, what did we learn about Baker Mayfield and Odell Beckham Jr.? You know what? I, I think he has, has thought this since last year, that it really wasn't as much of an Odell and Baker problem as it was just a scheme problem, mostly in 2019. And we know that by now. And just the lights really not having come on yet enough when before Odell tore his ACL on October 25th against the Cincinnati Bengals. They didn't have it down yet. The coaching staff wasn't using enough play action for Baker. They weren't using enough keepers for Baker. They weren't doing enough of the things that he does really well. 
once they figured that out and the lights came on, everything got better. After that interception upon which Odell suffered the torn ACL, Baker Mayfield went on to throw 20 touchdown passes against only two interceptions the rest of the whole entire season. That's 16 and one in the regular season and four and one in the playoffs, 20 touchdowns, two interceptions. And that's pretty incredible. That's, that's remarkable. When you think about it, that's playing at, you know, as well as anybody in the league in terms of, you know, in terms of statistically. And I, and I think like PFF had him as, you know, like the, like the second best quarter quarterback, the rest of the way from like week seven on or something like that is the stat. Yeah, if people heard that crash just now, it was uh, something I had up over a window blocking some some light behind me for our video. So that's what that was. Everybody's okay here at the lobby household. <laughs> I, I did think it was interesting. Baker today, uh, the quote he had, again, I thought this was very telling. He basically said they didn't have an identity on offense. Uh, he says that we truly did not have a true identity on offense at that point, speaking of the interception to, to Beckham. I think that took our bye week right in the middle of the season last year to really sit down and do a self-scout and for us to grow. And I thought that was just very honest from, from Baker. I don't know that we've heard somebody absolutely just come out and say that and talk about that identity of the offense kind of pre and post bye. We sort of knew it, but I think that was the most blatant anyone has been in saying it. And I think it's, it speaks to what we've talked about a number of times on this pod as well, that, you know, let's not be so quick to just, attribute this, this spike in stats to Odell not being there. Absolutely. 100%. I think we've all agreed on on this pod uh, for sure that, that Odell Beckham Jr. would have been the beneficiary of them getting their act together. And as you mentioned, finding that identity. And I think a lot of it was just playing to Baker's strengths. Some, I think they started to use more three wides again. Like I said, I think they did a lot more play action Remember in the beginning, we were sort of surprised they weren't doing that much play action. Right. And then, you know, it, it, because his statistics are so much better when he runs play action. So when they started to do the things that he did better, uh, they, they got so much better. And I think we all ab- believe, and I think Baker believes that Odell would have been right up there with the best of them, catching a ton of passes, catching some touchdown passes. And, you know, we saw some of it, we saw glimpses of it in the Dallas game that he kind of, when he's kind of strapped the team on his back and, and won that game for them. Uh, and I think there would have been plenty more where that came from. Hey, Mary Kay, how much, how big of a difference is it that Baker is going to have continuity, not just in the coaching staff, but on the roster on his side of the ball too. I think it's huge. The coaches think it's huge. Baker thinks it's huge at this time last year, he was learning new t- terminology. That's hard. I mean, that is really, really hard. We hear guys talking about how, you know, they have to like recite things to their wives when they're, you know, like doing, you know, folding the laundry and things like that. I mean, like you really have to get that language down. That's one thing. Uh, The other thing is he was learning all new footwork at this time last year. And you have to develop a muscle memory on that. And uh, he's got that down now. He's not going in trying to learn everything new. Plus now he knows his personnel. That's huge. He knows his personnel. He didn't know Austin Hooper at this time last year and Harrison Bryant and Donovan Peoples-Jones. You know, he knew some of them, but he didn't know all of them. He didn't know some of his new offensive linemen at this time last year. He didn't know Jedrick Wills and how to work with him. He didn't know Jack Conklin. Everything was new. And I I think it just goes to show you 
how smart Baker Mayfield is and how high his football acumen is that he was able to put it all together in the second half of the season, having no off season together, having no preseason games together, having everything be so new and to go out and to throw 20 touchdown passes against only two interceptions and get to the AFC divisional playoffs. I'll tell you what, uh, this coaching staff is really, really excited to see what this guy can do in year two. And I, and I thought it was, it, it sort of hit me when he brought it up that it's been since Bob Stoops that he's had the same head coach two years in a row. Now, to be fair, Lincoln Riley was his offensive coordinator before he became head coach. So he had that continuity of system, but it was sort of striking to realize, yeah, you got to go all the way back to Bob Stoops to find that same head coach. He's had so many already and, you know, we'll, we'll kind of get to see. That's why this year is so important. And maybe it's why another reason why they would wait on an extension. We actually get to see how Baker responds and grows into an offense. And even in just talking to Case Keenum about it last year, he raved about Baker's performance and capability and upside in this offense. I mean, he basically was saying, watch out. If he can do what he did under these extreme conditions, not only that, I mean, think about it, guys going in and out of the lineup, in and out of practice with COVID, coaches going in and out of the, the lineup with COVID, uh, and all the lack of continuity that, that they had, it was really remarkable for him to be able to do what, what he did. Now, we know this offseason, they're, they're not together. Once again, I mean, they're having a virtual offseason. So they're going to be starting out a tiny bit behind the eight ball again because the players don't even want to do the mandatory minicamp. That's still up for debate, has to be collectively bargained. But there is a slight chance that they might not come together again until the start of training camp. In terms of off-season small group workout in Austin, uh, they're not supposed to do it. But I think as the off-season goes along, the NFLPA might loosen up a little bit on that. I'm not sure about that yet. I know that Baker wanted to do it and was planning on doing it again. Not sure that's going to happen. Well, it sounded like Baker kind of said it might happen without saying it would happen. Right. <laughs> I know it, a couple of times the, he said something along the lines of we'll get everybody together at some point, but he didn't, he wasn't real clear if he meant, Oh, you mean a mini camp or in training camp or right, right. in Austin. So maybe it's one of those like, Hey guys, nobody put this on Instagram, but let's all get together in Austin for a few days. Right. Uh, and you know, but if they do that, Dan, I mean, you have to think about this too. In the back of my mind, I think that something like that could happen, but his starting center is the president of the NFLPA, right? So it's a little different for the Cleveland Browns than it is for any other team because you don't necessarily want to go against the advice of the president of the NFLPA, who is your starting center, and he has to snap you the ball every day. That's, that's a fair point. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break. and When we come back, we'll do some lightning round questions here in the Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, Hey Mary Kay edition. Seven questions here, Mary Kay. They're most, they're pretty much all draft related. So here we go. Hey Mary Kay, will the Browns trade up on Thursday night? You know, Dan, I really don't think they will. They will end up trading up. I don't think this is a team that wants to mortgage its future. I think it wants to have as many swings at the at the plate as it can possibly get. And I think that if anything. You know, they'll either stay put right there at number 26, perhaps trade back a little bit. Now, 
they do have the Pittsburgh Steelers at number 24. If they think their guy is going to Pittsburgh, I suppose there is a chance they could try to climb up over them. But what I don't see them doing, and we've talked about this before, is going up really high and having to give up a first round pick or other really valuable assets like that. So maybe a little bump up perhaps, but I don't see a, a big climb. Right. And I, I was listening this weekend to a, a podcast where I, I believe it was Warren Sharp, who's a, who's a big, obviously a big analytics, for tons of data, also, if you know who Warren Sharp is, and that's he's huge in the analytics community. And there is some data out there that kind of shows trading up for non-quarterbacks isn't always great value. And I'm sure the Browns subscribe to, to a lot of those ideas. Uh, more trade talk here, though. Hey, Mary Kay, will the Browns trade away from 26, possibly for a veteran? I'm going to say no. I asked Andrew Barry about this the other day when we talked to Andrew, and he said that he's open to anything and won't rule anything out. But usually trades of veterans, it's not super common on draft weekend. Those things have to be, the parameters have to be in place before the weekend for the most part, if you're going to do something like that. And when you pull off a trade like that or try to execute a trade like that on draft weekend, it, if it doesn't work out, the other team has already gotten the draft pick and made a pick. So you could get yourself into a little bit of hot water if you, if you try to do this because you can't go back on it, right? I mean, you just can't reverse the situation in the event the guy fails a physical or something like that. They're pretty hard to pull off. Also, I've, I've always, I, I have had in the back of my mind, do they have something up their sleeve with Odell? Are they going to trade Odell? I don't think that's going to happen. It's, I really, really do not see that happening. Just don't see it happening uh, for some of the reasons that we're talking about. Also, I, I just don't think there's a market there for a player who's coming off a torn ACL and has a cap number somewhere in the 15s, in the 15 millions this year. Don't see that happening. Don't really see it happening with David Njoku, who's, who's another player who has expressed a desire to be elsewhere as recently as February when he went on a podcast with the Jim Rome show and just talked about he wasn't sure that he wanted to be here. Now on social media, we see him saying, you know, that he's all in. I think he's here too. He's, he's, got, he's going to be playing under his fifth-year option of $6 million. That's a pretty decent price if you can get a little bit more production out of him. I think they should try to get more production out of him. We'll see how that goes. But for that amount of money, I think he's going to be here through this season, and then, and then maybe he'll be gone. As far as trying to trade for another veteran like a Stephon Gilmore, we've talked about that a lot too. Once again, I, I don't envision a blockbuster trade like that. Um, I really don't see something like that happening. If they are going to add to the cornerback pile, and I think they will, I think it will be through the draft. Another, another trade question, the other part of this. Hey, Mary Kay, will they trade back? You know, if they are going to make a trade from number 26 out of 26, I do think it would be to trade back some. That they would probably do, and I'm sure Warren Sharp talked about this maybe on that same podcast, is that, you know, there, there is obviously a lot to be said for trading back some, if your guy's still going to be there a few spots later and, and accumulating more assets, especially if they're high. And when I talk about high, I mean, first, second, and third round, when you can expect those players to either be starters or contributors. So if they have a chance to do something like that, I don't think they would hesitate. 
especially because some people are talking about this draft being only about 23 players deep in terms of first rounders. That of course goes board by board and it's a weird year. It is a weird year to, to evaluate guys. You're evaluating guys that didn't even play football in some cases in 2020. So it's very, very difficult uh, to try to get a handle on this group. Uh, but I do think that if they make a trade, they will trade back. Okay. A couple positional questions. Hey, Mary Kay, would the Browns draft a wide receiver? I'm assuming this is in the first, would the Browns draft a wide receiver in the first round? Absolutely. 100% they would. Yes. I think that uh, there are a number of players, a number of, a number of positions, actually a lot of positions that are in play at number 26. Okay. We know the ones that aren't right. They're not going to pick a quarterback at number 26. They're not going to take a left tackle at number 26 or even a right tackle at number 26. So there are, there are a few positions where you're probably not going to do it. They're probably not going to do running back at 26 in part because I just don't think this team would take a running back that high and in, be, and in part because they have their running back room pretty well set. So mostly everything else is in play, including receiver. And why is that? Because they do have to start planning for life after Odell and Jarvis. They're both turning 29 this year, but they're both coming off some surgeries in recent years. And it is time. I mean, it is time to start thinking about what happens with them after this season. Next year, they're both due to make a combined $31 million again. And if you can get your number one receiver out of this draft, I don't think they'd hesitate to do it. Okay, another position. Hey, Mary Kay, would they draft a linebacker at 26? We've talked about this so much. And it's just, <laughs> we've gone, right? We've gone back and forth and back and forth over the linebacker thing. And here's what I think. I think there are some linebackers in this first round that sort of fit the bill of versatility. If you can find a really good coverage linebacker, a really good side to side, side linebacker, a fast guy uh, that can do a lot of different things for you, then I think that player could be in play in the first round, even though we all believe that Andrew Barry sort of has a thing against linebackers, right? <laughs> I don't necessarily think he does. I just don't think that in the first year of them building their football team, they were going mostly offense. Something had to give. They didn't want to pay Joe Schobert that kind of money. And so linebackers sort of fell through the cracks a little bit. And there were at times last year where it showed, especially like in the Kansas City game. So if they could solve that problem with a versatile linebacker, a dynamic playmaker that can do different things for you, including getting tackles in the backfield, getting grabbing interceptions, covering tight ends. If you can find a guy like that, then I think that that player would be in play for them at number 26. I mean, don't you feel like Andrew Barry kind of bristled a little bit last week when he got asked pretty directly, like, do you guys value linebacker? I mean, it felt like he sort of, it was a real quick answer. And, and he basically said something like, you know, I'm, I, I don't have the exact quote. He basically said he's not going to be put in that box. Right. And so I, I don't think you can rule it out. I don't think you can rule it out because if your if the linebacker that is there for you at number 26 can come in and make a bunch of plays for you in the run game, in the passing game, in the turnover game, play some special teams for you, then if that's going to be the most dominant player and that player maybe even potentially has a chance to go to the Pro Bowl, that's what you're really kind of looking for in the first round is players that have some Pro Bowl ability or potential. It's not 
that easy to find down there at number 26. And I wish I had maybe more statistics on there, but there's probably so many analytics about this kind of stuff. I know there are, there is, but um, you know, you're really looking for that caliber of a player in the first round. And if it just so happens to be a linebacker, so be it. And we saw uh, that Ellis used some good statistics the other day on cornerbacks in his uh, how to win the draft. And, and the first round cornerback statistics were not great. You know, they weren't great in terms of guys coming in and starting right away and making an impact. Uh, so if, if that guy just so happens to be a linebacker that can, that can play in this kind of a defense where your linebacker needs to be able to do a bunch of different things, I think he would do it. Yeah. This, this is what Andrew said. He said, I, I would not read too much into that. I would not let anything define us. Let's go back to that trade up topic get a little more specific. Hey, Mary Kay, would the Browns trade all the way out of the first round? You know, this is another very intriguing question because I have been saying that I don't really think that they would trade all the way out of the round if they could avoid it because you really want to try to keep the fifth year option if you can. But I think enough good draft capital would trump for them the fifth year option. Now, in a perfect world, you want to like maybe stop it at 31 or 32. But if, if somebody is, gonna, is going to give you something uh, that you absolutely can't refuse and you have to give up the fifth-year option to do it, then I think there's a chance that they will do it. If you, if you see that, that your guy isn't going anytime soon and you can get him in the second round or early in the second round, I think there's a chance they would do it. So I, I'm, I'm not going to say no, uh, even though ideally I think they'd like to keep that that fifth year option, because it, it, it really comes in handy for roster plan. I mean, think if, if, if they had a fifth year option on Nick Chubb right now, you know, you know, what's interesting though, about the fifth year option. And I want to see how this plays out now is that it's guaranteed. Yes. And I wonder if that changes, not completely changes the approach because I still think it's valuable to have it, but it's probably different now because, you know, with a guy like Njoku, you could pick up that option and cut him if you wanted to. And now you can't do that. You pick up that option and you're locked into that money. And I almost wonder if that makes picks at the top of the second round more valuable. I'm not talking like 52, 53, but like maybe all of a sudden 32 or 33 or 34 is a little more valuable than than some of those late first round picks. Yes. I, I think you're right about that. I think it changes it a little bit, Dan. I think it makes it a little bit less attractive when it's not just monopoly money anymore. Right. I mean, right now, from the very moment you pick it up, it is guaranteed. That means that Baker Mayfield is getting $18.86 million for 2022. Basically, no matter, I mean, no matter what happens next year, he's getting that money in 2022. And it is a big commitment. So I do think you're right. I think the fifth year option, uh, I think the little bit of the luster is off of it, knowing that it's guaranteed right away. Okay. Last one. Hey, Mary Kay, can the Browns really put nine rookies on this roster? You know, I've been saying that I, I think that's a lot. I think that's a lot to try to fit onto this roster when it's, it's pretty well stocked, but here's the thing. If you draft really, really well, and these guys really believe in their ability to do that, 
I mean, look, they got Donovan Peoples-Jones in the sixth round last year, right? They really, really feel confident in their ability to draft all the way through seven rounds. I do think that they would be willing to put all nine guys on the roster if they choose all of those guys. So I don't think they'll hesitate. It depends on how the draft falls, but I think they can absorb and accommodate nine rookies if if they're worth their salt in, in drafting them. And part of the reality too might be, even though, even though you mentioned uh, Donovan Peoples Jones there, part of the reality is probably like some of those picks are late round picks, you know, a seventh, they have, they have one right towards the end of the draft. I don't remember the exact number. And that's a guy, maybe you can sneak onto a practice squad or just maybe you pick him and see what he is. And, you know, maybe they just rather punt on that pick and, and try and sign a priority free agent or something. But I, I don't know. I, you might make nine picks. I don't know if all nine have to make the roster. If a third rounder gets cut, that's a problem. If the guy that's, you know, whatever it is, five picks from the end of the draft gets cut, I think you can live with that. Yes, absolutely. And like you said, some of those guys, you're, you know, you're going to be willing to put them on the practice squad. And if you lose them, you lose them. If you know you, you want to keep them, you don't put them on the practice squad. Um, but I, I do think, I mean, there is a chance that, that they could take all nine guys. There's also a chance that they will use some of those guys, some of those picks. They have two in the third round, two in the fourth round uh, to, to enhance another, another selection, you know, maybe the third round or the second round or something that you'll be able to move up a little bit. So I think it could go either way, depending on how this, uh, this very mysterious draft falls. Okay, there it is, our Tuesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition. We've got a lot of great stuff coming your way here on draft week. So if you're not subscribed to the pod, wherever you listen to your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is, make sure you get subscribed to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And make sure you're a Football Insider subscriber too, because we've got lots of great stuff coming for our insiders. We'll have lots of analysis that, probably only gets texted out or only gets put in our, our newsletter that we send out. So if you want to be able to see that stuff from our Browns team or, you know, put behind that football insider tag on cleveland.com slash Brown. So if you want to be able to see that stuff, you've got to be a football insider. It's that blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. All right, Mary Kay. I'll talk to you later. Sounds good.